Montana. And I'm Samantha. And you're listening to Reaper Tales. And today I'm going to tell Samantha about the missing. Missing. The missing. <laughs> that Southern came out real heavy. <laughs> we're, we're getting off on a good, good, good start. I'm going to tell Samantha about the missing Fayetteville brothers. But before we get started, Samantha, what are we drinking? Well, you did not give me a drink. So I decided to choose for myself, and I did white wine. And you? It's a truly. Same old, same old. Yeah, same old, same old. Uh, it's a pick your poison. This is a serious case. Even though it is 60 years old, it's still serious and still active. So I'm just hoping I have enough wine in my glass. Uh, tr- well, you can always have Paul bring you more. And Paul, if you're listening to this afterwards and you didn't bring her more wine, shame on you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So cheers. Let's go. Blah, blah, blah. All the stuff. All Ah. the glass clink, clink, clink. All right. And before I get started, I will tell you my resources. I got information from fayobserver.com. Two different articles on fayobserver. CapeFearNN.com, and I got information from Reddit and from Sleuths, uh, Web Sleuths, which I think you've used before. Probably. Uh, Web Sleuths is interesting because it's just a bunch of people bouncing ideas off of each other, and then some, like, there are some serious people who are like, well, I looked at this, and I pulled these records, and I'm like, this is some serious shit. Okay. Some people take it seriously. Yeah. So kudos to Web Sleuths. I know that they have helped like solve some stuff. So I don't think it's it's a bad thing. But interesting site. It can be sometimes. Yeah. I mean, any of the stuff. It can be either good or detrimental in some ways. But that's not what this is about. Can I ask a quick question? Okay. Do my sound does my sound look okay? Yeah, it looks good. Okay, because it is playing very differently from your sound on my side. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it does that. Okay. But it it still pairs up in the end. Okay. Sure, I don't want to sound like I'm going 90 to nothing and you're actually talking normal. No, no, no. It, it, It loads onto your computer and then uploads it to me. So we're talking in real time. It just may look like it's recording separately. Okay. So when I mash them together, like when a mommy loves a daddy or a mommy loves a mommy. <laughs> You're taking the dirt. <laughs> it fits, you know. The T-M-I. <laughs> anyway, uh, tickets. All right. Let's just get on into this. Um, on September 12th, 1964, Brothers Terry Westfield, a redheaded, freckled-faced 11-year-old, and his 7-year-old brother, Alan, were dropped off by their stepfather in downtown Fayetteville, right outside I'm going to of- assume from this de- this description that his brother did not look like that, since that was no, very... No, he didn't. No. Uh, Alan had, like, black hair. He had, like, a, a speech impediment, you know. Okay. Shorter, things like that. Um, Terry was very 
if you go on to like the Charlie project and things like that, you can see, which I will link in our show notes, the case on the Charlie project for both of them. They have um, progressive photos of both of them. And Terry is what you would expect of a older redhead. (laughs) And then there's Alan who's just like every other person. (laughs) Whatever. Lots of freckles, basically. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we can't say anything. We both have. Well, you have more freckles than I do. This is true. You're very freckly. It's very pretty. <laughs> um, I still can't believe people get tattoos of that now. They're still doing it. But okay. Uh, you know, do you. Whatever makes you happy. If it makes you feel pretty, go for it. Um. So yeah, Alan, uh, Terry and Alan were dropped off by their stepfather in downtown Fayetteville, right outside the Broadway theater on Hay Street. According to their stepfather, the brothers wanted to see a double feature. So they were going to be there for a while. Mm-hmm. Later that evening, as storms were rumbling through Fayetteville from a dying hurricane, their stepfather reported he returned to the theater and waited for the boys to come out, but they never did. An investigation began, but before we get to that, let's rewind to the beginning of the day. Margie Westfield Bach, the boy's mother, went to work at a hair salon early that Saturday morning and left the boys in the care of a babysitter, Barbara Temple. Margie was Wait, a These boys mom- were how old again? They were 11 and 7. Oh, okay. They were still, I mean, we were being left off. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was like. Way earlier than that. (laughs) But yeah, fair enough. uh, You know, whatever. I would Uh, not leave two children at that age alone. Whether that happened to me or not is a moot point. No, I mean, same. But it definitely happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) At least one. Uh, Sorry, Dad. Busted. Busted. Uh, We lived in rural Alabama. Where were we going to go? Who was going to come out there? No one. No one. And if anybody tried to kidnap you, they'd bring you back. So it was fine. 1,000%. So Margie Westfield Bach, the boy's mother. So she went to work that Saturday morning and she left the boys in the care of a babysitter, Barbara Temple. Margie was a single mother and had recently separated from her. um, it It said in the article third husband but it's actually her second husband carl bach a military police officer who was living in fort bragg at the time and it said third husband because she did actually get married three times but that'll come later okay once margie was at work carl showed up at margie's house to relieve barbara of care of the boys And just reminder, Carl and Margie are separated. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. Well, are well, these his sons? No. They're, so this is their stepdad. This is their stepdad, yes. And um, who was separated from their mother. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so super weird. Um, Terry and Alan's just father. Just be clear, Paul, if we ever are no longer together, I'm probably not going to watch your kids yeah (laughs) jk i might actually still do it but yeah 
it's a weird situation. It's to it's say the really, least. I wouldn't expect that. It really, it really is weird. And Barbara actually ends up telling police like she kind of delayed leaving. I guess she was uncomfortable with like leaving the boys because she had been paid to babysit them or something like that. But um, she did Fair. eventually. Yeah, I mean, I in that situation, I'd be like, Brohim, now. How about now? Yeah, no. Um, she did eventually leave around like twelve between like twelve thirty and one p.m. that day, and this was about the time that Alan, the youngest, was seen outside riding his bicycle. So somebody in the neighborhood saw Alan actually outside riding his bicycle as Barbara was leaving. At the same time, another boy from the neighborhood stopped by the house to a- and asked if Terry, the older one, could come and play. Carl, his stepdad, told him no that Terry was being punished. Okay. Odd again. Odd again. Around 5.30, Margie arrived home. So this is 5.30 p.m. Margie arrived home and found Carl alone in the house. They argued about Carl sending the babysitter home and him taking the boys to the movies. Shortly after, she changed clothes and went out for the evening to the NCO club on Pope Air Force Base, something she had been doing frequently. So it's it's a club. It's a bar, whatever, that you go and hang out in. And she was, like, regularly, like, going out there. And I think even if Barbara had been there babysitting, she probably would have still gone out there. It was just, like, her go-to thing. Yeah. That's also, why she did the responsible thing and found care for her children. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyway. Carl then returned to the movie theater. This is... Okay. Just... Okay. Carl then returned to the movie theater around 7.45 p.m. and waited for the boys. They were supposed to meet him at the corner outside of the movie theater. He said he waited there until 9.30. So he showed up at 7.45 and waited there until 9.30. Why? I don't know. I mean... Here's the other thing. If he knew they were going for a double feature, it's not a big town. I feel like you know what movies they're going to watch. You could probably check and see when the second one was going to be done and show up at that point. Well, you can and just you stick around after you that. Could, you could literally just get out of your car and go up to the marquee and see when the movies are supposed to be over. Yeah. True. Yeah. So, you want to guess what he did after 9.30? How about you just tell me? <laughs> he just fucking dipped. He left. Just like, okay, I guess I'm he, done here. He didn't go looking for them. Okay. And we know he didn't go looking for them because the employees there reported to police that they were never approached by anyone asking after Terry and Alan. So, he... So what was the point? Why did he even wait? If he was just going to dip, like, what was the point of the whole thing? I don't know. I don't know. Like, okay, it, it makes no sense. My guess is that he never actually went, or he might have gone out there and just waited just as an alibi. I don't know. Um, I'm not saying he did anything. <laughs> uh, 
allegedly, allegedly. It's just, it's really weird. You know, mm-hmm. if if you tasked me with picking up one of your kids and I, they didn't show up within five minutes, my ass is out of that car and I'm asking everybody in the vicinity, have you seen, I'm pulling up a picture of what, of a, have you seen this kid? My butt would be going in the theater like, where are y'all at? Yeah. Yelling their names, making a scene intentionally. That's my, that's my whole thing. He just waited over an hour, almost two hours and then just fucking dipped. He didn't go ask anybody about them. He didn't do anything. Just Mm-mm. allegedly waited and then peaced out. Um. So let's say maybe we'll say maybe that the person who was asked by the police or the persons, the employees that were asked by the police forgot that they were asked. If somebody was missing, right? Okay. You know, you're working somewhere. Somebody comes up and says, hey, have you seen these two kids? You may not remember that. I mean, I but with the description you gave of the kids, I feel like you would have noticed. Yeah, but you know how men can be. They may not give a description. So let's just say that they forgot. But it wouldn't be the case this time. The theater employees were very familiar with the brothers. They were frequent customers there, and they would have remembered somebody asking about the two of them. Okay. So the employees were adamant. No, nobody asked us if Terry and Alan were here that night. We would have remembered if somebody came to us asking. And not only... Did Carl not ask them about the boys, but the employees reported that they hadn't seen either of the brothers there that night. Like they hadn't gone to the movies. At so all even to with. let's, let's, let's say that he did ask. That's what they would have told him because they would have remembered. Okay. Yeah. That at least makes me, at first I was like that description of those boys. Plus it's a small town equals somebody would have noticed one yeah. way or another, but okay. So the employees are like, no, the boys were not even here. So nay, nay. Uh, that didn't happen. After Carl left downtown, after he peaced out and said, fuck these kids, I'm on my way, uh, he traveled to Fort Bragg and then returned to Margie's house. She returned home around 1 a.m. and they argued again about the boys and the events that occurred that day. Carl accused Margie of picking up her son's and kept pressing her on the issue. So he was basically saying, I dropped them off at the movie theater. You must have gone and picked them up and you're hiding them somewhere. Because, okay, never mind. I'm not going to get into it. Okay, sure. And he was just like... That makes perfect sense, but okay. Yeah, exactly. And according to investigators in this case, Carl kept stressing that he dropped them off at the movie theater. So he was like adamant. He was like, I dropped them off. I dropped them off. I dropped them off. Okay. Again, weird. So around 2 a.m., Margie Margie, having heard enough, called the police and told them that her sons were missing. And so began the investigation. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. 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 Uh, Find my kids. Exactly. Fayetteville Police, Fort Bragg investigators, and dozens of... Uh, other lawmen searched extensively for the Westfield boys. They chased tip after tip as rumors about the boys spread over the city. 
Police searched for cars seen around the Bordeaux neighborhood, which is where they lived, and interviewed dozens of people who thought they had seen the boys. They chased leads across several states and brought in the FBI for help. Quote, We've checked every lead we've had, and we're still up against a blank wall, Police Chief L.F. Worrell told the Observer reporter in the days after the disappearance. Days would turn into weeks, then years. Investigators would find nothing, not a piece of clothing, not a solid witness, no bodies. Gradually, the story of the missing brothers would fade in the back of people's minds before it would nearly before it was nearly gone altogether. Almost 60 years have passed since they disappeared. It is believed to be the oldest case involving juveniles in, the, in North Carolina. Unsolved. Oldest unsolved. Missing. And this was from when? Uh, 1960s. Okay. I thought well, I was the, thinking he was older than that, but okay. No, yeah. While the case has faded from the minds of those who were present at the time, it hasn't faded from the Fayetteville Police Department's mind. There is still a file on the case, and in the late 1990s and early 2000s, a cold case task force reopened it. There were plenty of theories, but the one that stuck the most in the minds of the people was that the boys were killed that day. But their stepfather, Carl, by their stepfather, Carl, while there's no real evidence of this, maybe explaining Margie and Carl's history could help lend a little light to this theory. Okay. When Margie was 18, she met Carl for the first time in the Fort Bragg Post Exchange where she worked. Carl was 10 years older than Margie. Or is. Was. Actually was. They're both dead. Uh, spoiler. Yeah, I was going to say, I was doing some of the math earlier. I'm like, yeah, I don't think they're still alive. Yeah, no, they're not. 10 years older? Yeah. Which, I mean, that's not that uncommon, especially back then. It's not that uncommon, but again, um, speaking from my own experience, I dated a man who was in his early 30s when I was, I think, 19 or 20. It's a big difference. It's, well, maturity level is huge. It's not just like maturity it's, level. It's like this whole sense of like control and power. There's there's a difference. There's an imbalance of like mm -hmm. power and a relationship like that, and just not healthy. It's not healthy. But it gets weirder. So while Margie said that she found Carl to be a quote gentleman, she regarded him as more of a brother figure than a boyfriend. Shortly after she met Carl, she also met a man by the name of Thomas Mel Westfield, who was also a soldier. The two began dating and would ride often to Rockingham to visit Margie's mother. And here's the thing. I'm not sure if she was dating both men at the time. Some articles make it seem like she was, like she was dating both men. Scandalous. Ooh, here's a little, um, here's a little just advice. You can date multiple people. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is news to anybody, but it's okay to date multiple people. Um, it's not actually, if you ask me, it's kind of advised. Yeah, I I would advise it. Um, but what do I know? You know, uh, it worked out for women. me. Yeah, just women being women. All these sluts and stuff. 
out here dating multiple people, um, <clears throat> don't isolate that, please. Uh, You're the one was... that edits. Oh, so other people are. <laughs> Anybody uh, else? Okay, fair, <laughs> enough. Okay. fair enough. Fair enough. I, I was one of those sluts. Um, so... <laughs> Isolate well, that. <laughs> you can, you're welcome to isolate that. Use it as your ringtone. Um, <laughs> ringtones. That brings that brings you back. <laughs> you're dating oh yourself. Right there. <laughs> I was one of those sluts. I was one of those sluts. Oh my god. <laughs> oh god. Anywho. Anyway, so some articles make it out make it seem like she was dating both of them while others say that her and Carl will ju were just friends. I'm leaning more towards they were just friends because she seemed happy with Thomas, especially if she was taking him to see her mother. So yeah, probably. And this Either was after her first marriage, right? No, no, no. She hasn't been married yet. This is when she, Oh, we're we're rewinding way back. Okay, she's eighteen at this part. part. Okay, yeah. so this All is right. this yeah. Is so this is that's up. major if you're going to take them to to meet the parents. Yeah, or parent. Let's be honest, meeting the mom is the bigger deal. Yeah. Well, oops. <laughs> uh, either way, in most situations, in most situations, um, my dad. Actually, in my case, it was meeting my dad. My dad only met two of my partners. And so, one is my now husband, and one was an old girlfriend. And he still asks about her. Like, I still keep up with her. <laughs> like, that. it's been 12 years. I don't know what you're holding on to. Go on. Uh, Let's move on. Have, I need you to. Please. <laughs> we can't keep reliving this. <laughs> Either way, Carl apparently didn't know anything about Margie dating Thomas, but he did find out about it when she borrowed his camera to take photos of her and Thomas. And like a move from my playbook, she forgot to remove the film. Oh, no. So Carl, being a gentleman or a creep, had the film processed and discovered Margie's relationship. Mm-hmm. No big deal, though, right? Maybe. They weren't dating. Yeah, but still. Yeah. Men being men. True. And Margie, Margie actually said, like, I didn't even think he was interested in me. So I didn't think it was a big deal. You know. Whatever. Obviously, the parameters of their relationship were not adequately established by both parties you know what he sounds like right slightly it starts with an i and ends with a l yeah that's not hard to put the middle letters together but okay <laughs> sounds like <it's> <laughs> uh, anyway so he discovers their relationship, whatever. Margie's like, whatever, you know, he's kind of like a brother. He's a friend. He's not even, I don't even think he's interested in me anyway. But Carl, Carl would prove her wrong because he then took a vacation right after this to uh, New York City. And when he returned, he had an engagement ring that he presented to her. Oh, 
Yes. Mm-hmm. How are... Okay. Uh, so this is how he reacts to what he deems as a, a problem with her being with other people. I'm going to just... You know, this sounds just like a friggin' Leonard from Big Bang Theory. By the way, if you've ever watched that show, he is the worst character on the entire show. I can't watch that show. <sighs> Fair. But this is the kind of thing that he does, like proposes to her and she's like, uh, no. And then he chases her down to find out why she says no. He says, I love you. And she's like, thank you. And he will not let it go because she hasn't said it back. And it's like, dude, she's not obligated to. Even if you're in a relationship, no one is obligated to love you in that situation. But if you push them, guess what happens? They're going to leave because they don't want to be around somebody who acts that way. Well, and not just what I don't remember a lot of that show because I was so traumatized by recognizing the laugh track. So now I can't watch shows. Yeah, that have I still know it's there, it. but I, I just disregard it. It's but that's the just only me. thing I can hear. It's the only. Well, that I doesn't surprise me. Uh-huh. You you focus hyper focus on things. Yeah, I know. So I watched that show for years and years, and then I was traumatized when somebody pointed out the laugh track, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh, oh no, I can totally disregard that. I'm fine with that. Uh-uh, I can't do it. It's so weird. Um, <laughs> why would you put that in there? But anyway, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's that attitude of, well, I'll just make it so you can't leave. Well, it's the and entitlement. You're obligated to be in this relationship with me now. And it's like. Yeah. This it's makes so- me want to not be anywhere near you. Exactly. It's the weird entitlement. Some men. The audacity of men. Listen. <laughs> if you're a man. <sighs> You have some audacity. audacity. <laughs> Let's be honest. You know you do. You know you do. You're not entitled to anything. Um, but uh, Carl felt he was entitled. And you know what? Uh, Margie said, sure you are. And she accepted. <sighs> Honey. The ring. And she wore the ring. But she continued to date Thomas. <sighs> come, mm, come on, girl. I mean, get it, girl. If you can get it. Yeah, but at the same time, get it. You stir in that pot, and you know you are. Here's my thing, though. Um, it was a if different you time. The ring, and you know what that ring means, and you know what it means to that person. I'm not okay with you doing something different than that. Don't accept the ring if you're not ex- willing to accept the terms. But let's be clear. So it's the '60s. If if you and I were in a situation like this today, we'd be like, go get fucked. All right. Get fucked. But women weren't allowed to speak up for themselves back then. And if they did, it was a different situation. It, it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. It that's my mistake. That is, that's what I'm saying. I get what you're, where you're going with this. I'm just saying you are stirring a pot and you know you are when you do something like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. But there was obviously somebody she wanted to be with and somebody that she didn't and somebody who was giving her way more attention than she wanted. Or maybe she liked it. I don't know. I wasn't in Margie's head. All I'm saying is if I was in that situation and I didn't have the gumption to be able to say, go get fucked, um, I probably would have done the same thing. You know? It just, it is what it is. Different time. I'm not from that time, so I can't speak to what I would do. Because I, I mean, can only speak to what I would do now, and 
Now I'd be like, no. Yeah. Back home. You'll find someone else. I promise. Hey, um, I believe in you. Um, <laughs> and I believe you should leave my presence. <laughs> Take your ring with you. Believe in you with somebody else that is there not me. Uh, I have a dream for you to elsewhere somebody else <laughs> please um so yeah so she she to can, be clear let's be clear not all men people that are speaking up right now in your heads the whole friend zone thing is a real surefire way to piss with off a female the friend zone is not a real thing said, it's not a real thing the problem is imagine being a person that found out that the only reason why other said person was friends with you is because they were trying to sleep with you the entire time that's exactly what we did that would be pretty depressing that the only reason why somebody was friends with you is because they wanted to sleep with you and if that's why you're friends with somebody stop move on that's on you that's not on them they actually believe you're being you're actual friends with them regardless of the narrative you've made in your head so you have the power in that situation. You're not happy with the situation as it is. Leave. Yeah. It's that simple. Don't put that pressure so. on that female or that male or that non-binary. So, uh, yeah, that's it. That's what I got to say because I've, I've had that conversation with people and uh, it's, it's pointless. It's pointless. Yeah. Every woman out there has had that conversation with some man or even women in their lives who have been – friends because they want they had ulterior motives like it's uncomfortable for us like we generally like want to be your friends and then once you do something like that or you do put yourself like put that pressure on us you can't be a genuine friend is not their fault that's your fault that's a you problem and you should take care of that problem by ejecting yourself from the situation because if you can't be a genuine friend sticking around in the hopes that she's going to fall on her face and the only person left is going to be you so that you can sweep in and sweep her off her feet that's toxic it's dangerous and it's led to a lot of crime yeah so how about just leave the situation and everybody else leaves intact Unless you're okay with just genuinely being somebody's friend. If they reject you and you're like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't know if you were okay with that. Uh, I'm cool with just being your friend. If you're okay with that, that's fine. But if you continue. Don't stick around because you're hoping that that's yeah. going to change. You're like waiting. and You're like just like evil fingers back here. Like, hey, 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 something's going to happen someday. And then my penis will be free to. <laughs> <laughs> I, wish, I wish we had recorded that. this is hitting a little close to home so uh, we'll move yeah, on we'll move on uh shortly after the performance shortly after the performance the, the performance <laughs> this has been the performance <laughs> shortly after the proposal car was carl 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 was reassigned carl yeah I hate the name Carl, especially after wa- the watching dead. The Walking Dead. Oh my god! <laughs> this is Detour three, maybe four, four, maybe four. Yeah. So shortly after the proposal, Carl was reassigned. Margie didn't know where he was transferred to, but she did receive letters from him. You're gonna love this. Sort of, she received letters <laughs> from him. Sort of, okay. Carl's letters were never delivered or Carl's letters were delivered to Margie's mother's home. 
And her mother would read the letters, then throw them away without giving them to Margie. <laughs> That's a meme. <laughs> and like, not only did she read Carl's letters and then throw them away, Thomas, the man that she was seeing too, or was actually seeing, was also was also given Margie's mother's address and sent letters to her there. Her mother did give her the these letters. I mean, if you've got a way to make this work in a way that you feel like is wise and to help save your daughter some heartache, is it right? No. But I also can't blame her. I mean... Who knows what was in those letters? I mean, it could have been some obsessive stuff that really disturbed her who knows but it could have been i mean but baller move margie's mom yeah hey go for it i'm not even gonna just pretend to read it and give it to you i'm just gonna go ahead and burn the ones i don't like <laughs> and i'm gonna give you the ones that i do <laughs> so it's no surprise that around 18 months after margie and thomas met they were married in bentonville south carolina so she married thomas all right a year later, they welcomed their first son, Terry. Also, fist bump to Thomas. Y- y- you you were smart. You made friends with the right person in this situation, apparently. Yeah. Make friends with the mother or the father. Um, Whoever's closest to them. Apparently, if you make friends with my father, he's going to hold out on you to be my partner eventually someday. Uh, even so, sounds, sounds about right. Yeah, it sounds about right. I mean, he's still holding out hope you and I still get together, but, <laughs> you know. Bless him. <sighs> Poor dad. Um, just enjoy the partner that I have. He does. He just has to uh, be okay with the fact that we're soulmates, but not in that way. True. That's true. Dad, she'll always be around. <laughs> I'm, never, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> no. Not allowed. So, four years into their marriage, Thomas was transferred to Germany, and Margie and Terry went with him. During the same time, Margie discovered that she was pregnant with her second son, Alan. Three years after that, Thomas was transferred back to Fort Bragg, and shortly after that, their marriage ended. Don't know why. Couldn't find it anywhere. Okay. Kaboot. Uh, Carl was in Fort Bragg at that time, and uh, Margie began dating Carl after divorce, after her divorce, and eventually they were married. Okay. According to investigators, Carl was never interested in establishing a relationship with his stepsons. He was also found to be indifferent, not only about the boys, but by Margie herself. Okay. And there's something else that I've left out. Carl had a violent history. Oh, never saw that coming. (laughs) According to investigators, he was sentenced for either assault or robbery or both and served time in Leavenworth. This was early in his military service. He was given the choice of serving his sentence or returning to active duty. He was released from prison, made a military police officer, and eventually assigned to a unit in Fort Bragg. Okay. So, we're gonna, you know what, instead of, you know, punishing you like we would a normal person, we're gonna put you... We're gonna promote you out. Yeah. 
which is cool, a cool, term cool. I have heard in certain. Your dogs are upset about it too. Yeah. I mean, apparently they have a lot to say. Certain corporate um, companies, I've I've definitely seen and heard that. We're just going to promote you. We can't get rid of you, so we're going to promote you to get you out of here. You see it in police forces all the time. Yeah. So, and he went directly into a military police position. So, let's give you authority. Yeah. Yeah. Which really pisses me off. You don't say. Um, yeah. This made information, this information made investigators believe Carl was behind the boy's disappearance. So, his violent history, his, like, tumultuous path with past with margie his indifference with the boys and pretty much his indifference with the relationship that he had with margie it made them think that he did something that day to the boys definitely makes it seem more possible yeah i, would I mean there's not really a motive uh but there there is a possibility of there not being feelings there so that's not and and he's jilted obviously he may have finally gotten her. But yeah, it was but, a finally. But she had children from her previous mm-hmm. marriage with her. And he, so he doesn't really have a motive per se, but I guess he could have. And he, he did have an opportunity. Yeah. And this is all speculation. But also the weird circumstance behind like the neighborhood kid coming to ask for Terry to come and play. And he was like, no, Terry's can't come and play because he's being punished like what mm-hmm. sir what kind of punishment are you as a stepfather who is estranged from your wife giving to a child that is not yours uh, what very what valid question punishment? um i would like to know so yeah all weird all of that is weird that whole situation even the whole timeline like him showing up at the house him telling barbara you know what i got this she can go when they're separated Mm-hmm. And they're obviously separated because she hired a babysitter to come and right. watch the boys. If she wanted him to watch them, she would have asked him. Yeah. And then Alan leaving the house, as Barbara was, Alan playing outside, Terry's inside. He's being punished somehow. It just makes it seem like he took some kind of anger out on Terry. And then he also had to do something to Alan. This is all speculative. And you said that she was a regular to the place that she went to? Yeah, the NCO club. Did she go there on a specific day and time? Or was she it just the place she hung out when she did get time to herself? It was It was most nights. Yeah, she was there. Okay, so it was very likely that he could have known that she would be out around a certain time on a certain day. Yes, but I think she would typically... And speculative. Home. Yeah, speculative. But, he he knew she wasn't home. And he went there okay. knowing she wasn't going to be home. Again, weird. Um, all of this is weird. But uh, in 2000, Alex Thompson, a Fayetteville t- detective, and Mark Bruinton, a State Bureau of Investigation agent on the Cold Case Task Force, visited Carl where he was living in Eleanor, West Virginia. Also, terrible place to live but sorry if you're from west virginia 
Um, oh, you just meant the state as a whole? I was wondering yeah. if you knew about Illinois. <laughs> no, no, no. Just the whole state of West Virginia. Okay. Um, I'm sorry about it. Sucks for you. Uh, Fair enough. Carl was around 80 years old at the time. Uh, and he wasn't too happy to see investigators. Quote. Out of curiosity, are you ever? Uh, probably not. You know what? I think... Uh, if it were me, <laughs> I'd give them a runaround. They would have no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> you wouldn't either because you wouldn't be able to focus on anything they were saying. That's true. Uh, so, quote, he really and truly didn't want to talk to us, but I think he was intrigued and in wanting to know what we knew, Thompson said. He toyed with us, throwing old information and seeing where we would go with it, or he'd go silent and see how much we actually knew. Hmm. in 2012 trying trying to do the manipulation thing yeah it's the whole like i want to be helpful with this investigation those people who like did it and then they have to like immerse themselves in it um it looks like he took himself way out of the situation like way out of the state to yeah <laughs> get away from tried uh but anyways it, he actually ended up taking himself even farther away because in 2012, this man is still alive in 2012, by the way. Uh, evil lives on, I guess. Sometimes. Uh, allegedly. Um, Fayetteville, <laughs> Fayetteville police detective Mike Ballard and Alex Thompson, still on it, interviewed uh, Carl again. This time they traveled to Toma, Wisconsin. Maybe I he mean, likes the W states. <laughs> I mean, to me, that would be a hell in itself to live in Wisconsin. <laughs> Again, sorry for people who live in Wisconsin. There. It, it sucks for you. Um, I guess the cheese is good. Uh, so he lived in a small city about 50 miles east of the Mississippi River. Carl showed no concern as to the fate of the brothers, the investigator said. They noted, too... The one term that Brock used in talking about the Westfields, quote, them boys. Quote, there was no feeling, no emotion, Ballard said. It's simply them boys. Brock had referred to them the same way years earlier when he was interviewed by uh, Thompson. In both interviews, quote, in both interviews, I, chast I chastised him in the first and second interviews. Did he ever call Alan and Terry by their names? He said. It was them boys. That's all Brock would do to give them any credit as to who they were as young children was them boys. It seems odd. Well, you, if you do something to somebody, you try to, this is like classic, you know, I forget the term for it. But it's like dehumanized. Class, yeah, you like dehumanize by not giving them a name. That's that's all you can you can call them. So they do it a lot on like those nine one one call like analysts. They're like, oh, they keep calling it their baby, or they keep saying my husband instead of actually naming them who they are. Um, which that's not always one hundred percent true. But to stick with it for sixty years, you know what? Mm. It's odd. It's a little odd. And um, not to show any remorse by the fact that they're still missing too and there's still an investigation going on. That's odd. Yeah. Even, so weird. 
even if you don't have any feelings for your stepkids, even if the marriage ended and it was kind of bitter, you'd have to be almost inhuman to not have some kind of sympathy for two missing children. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even like kids for the most part, but that still bothers me. I mean, kids that are seven and 11, like, and that, right, wasn't it seven, one of them was seven, yeah. one of them was 11? I mean, that's young. They can't be out on their own. No, they can. Yeah. Uh, also, sorry, Sophia, she doesn't mean you. Um, uh, my stepkids don't count. Yeah. Ballard, having read the case file and interviewed um, Bach, made him an offer. So this, this um, uh, was his face. Detect, not detective, but uh, why am I drawing a blank? I literally just said it. Uh, the state bureau guy made uh, Carl an offer. Quote, I approached him with a possibility of a letter of qualified immunity, telling him all we were interested in is finding these boys. He's, he looked at us and said, I was in the MPs, military police, and if I hadn't been in the MPs, that would be a pretty good proposition. So he's basically saying, if I didn't know what I knew because I was already in a police force, that'd be a pretty good proposition. Saying it was like, like saying, "Nice try." Yeah, nice try. Uh, if I was dumber, I would tell you. Um, That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Ballard took that to mean that. Uh, Carl thought he was much smarter than to accept such a deal. They chatted a little bit more before Carl made a statement that Ballard believes incriminated himself. Quote. Quote. He said, you know, I was the last one to see them alive. In my line of work, that pretty much, that's a confession, Ballard said. Which, I mean, if you're the one who says I'm the last one to see them alive, mm-hmm. how do you know they're dead? They're missing. That's true. Oh, God. He scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's toy time. Well, take your toy time out of here. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, my God. Why does he do that to me? And there goes seven. Jesus Christ. My whole life has fallen apart around me. Uh, anyways. I'm still here. <laughs> Thanks for hanging in there. So Carl actually died in Toma on May 9th, 2016 at the age of 93. Good grief. Right. How does evil live that long? <sighs> Alleged evil. Um, he never remarried. And he was honorably discharged or honorably buried with military honors. Okay. Okay. Uh, Thomas, Terry and Alan's father, never stopped looking for the brothers. He actively pursued leads on his own. He would go wherever a person would give him a clue. He consulted mediums and he documented all of his efforts in a diary. And he did this for over a decade. However, Thomas died in 1978 by suicide. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Margie did remarry um, and lived the remainder of her life in Loris, South Carolina. Over the years, she held herself responsible for the boy's disappearance. She blamed herself for choosing to do what she normally did by going to the NCO club instead of going to get the boys. If the boys were still alive today, they would no longer be boys. They would be in their late 60s. If they are still alive. And again, there are photos, aged photos of them on the Charlie Project. So that definitely seems like Carl um, believes they're dead. Yeah. I mean, by what he says and like his, especially his actions. Believed he's dead. The whole thing with him, his whole like behavior during his entire relationship with Margie even before they got married is bizarre to me. You know, he, he went out of state. He was transferred out of state, but didn't tell Margie where he went. And then he was just okay with her continuing to date another man. And then when she came back, he was like, you know what? Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Which I know that that happens. I know like previous love interests will come around, but that whole situation that they were in before she got married. Yeah. I don't know that that would, I don't know that, you know, eight years would. It didn't sound like the undying that. love situation you would normally think of when you're describing that. Yeah. And it just seems like, to me, it seems like, I don't know, like this wouldn't have been the only time he did something like that. If he did something mm-hmm. like that. His behavior is weird to me. Yeah. I mean. He was never married again. He lived alone. And I mean, some people like their solitary lives. That's fine. But this is weird. It's very odd. This is very bizarre. So, yeah, that's the um, disappearance of the Fayetteville brothers. I hate it when you do unsolves. And this is even worse because this is so long ago that the likelihood of any kind of new information coming up is slim to none. But you never know. I mean, things could happen. And as recently as like, I think it was three or four years ago, construction has started going through uh, Fort Bragg's and one younger detective has um, said that he feels that with the construction, if there are bodies defined in Fort Bragg of the two boys, that they will be find dur- found during the construction. Possibly, yeah. So it, it could it could happen. That's not to say that they are deceased. I mean, the likelihood is that they are. I mean, but, they would have come forward by now more than likely. Yeah. Unless they just didn't remember. But they were but, old enough that that's kind of hard to believe. Yeah. I mean, they would be in their late 60s at this point. Well, no, I mean, when they were... Let's say they they weren't killed and they were abducted. They were 7 and 11. Like, that's old enough that they would typically still have their memories and know that they had been abducted and that wasn't always their life. Yeah, true that. Not always, but most of the time. And especially with, like, the the media circulation, uh-huh. what was going on, they would eventually have found out. No, I completely agree. I, my thought is probably he... he since he went to Fort Bragg's um, right after going to the movie theater, which my thought is that he either didn't go to the movie theater or he 
just went to Fort Bragg. Well, he can't confirm he went to the movie theater because the the people didn't even he never went to them to ask. So, I mean, that's the only thing we have is just him saying that he sat around for an hour and 45 minutes, right? Yeah. Well, so. and not just an hour and 45 minutes. I mean, between um, 1 p.m. and 5 p.m., nobody nobody knows what he was doing. He was in the home with the boys. So yeah, it was a different time. I, and yeah. there weren't as many cameras. So, I don't know. I, th- I think he knew exactly what he could get away with. And he just found a way to exact his revenge. That's my guesstimate. Yeah. All conjecture. None of that is proven, obviously, but it doesn't matter. He's dead. He's not coming back to get me. So, yeah. And he didn't have any family. Um, but also, it kind of it leads into a, a topic that I eventually want to get into, and that is the cover ups in the military when it comes to violence in the military, especially on um, specific bases. But it would it wouldn't surprise me if bodies were found in Fort Braggs and it was just never reported. Well, the next case that I cover on my own will have certain connotations about cover ups and people yeah. covering up things. So I think that's a very common thing especially uh, for a certain length of time when there was the possibility of doing it. It's a little harder to do it now. Too many cameras all over the place. It still happens now. Didn't say it doesn't happen. I said it's it's a lot harder harder to do. Yeah. It's getting harder to do. And, um, and people are less afraid to report on it. Yeah, I would agree. Outsiders, especially because they have video now that they can actually show and support what they're reporting. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, We're getting happy, there. happy Memorial Day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now that we just kind of shit on the military. I well, mean, you should already be drinking. Um, if you're listening to this episode, I would assume that if you're not already drinking, you're going to drink when you get home because you might be listening to this before you leave work. Please don't drink while you're at work. At least don't tell anybody. And once you get home, you know, we're providing you with an extra reason to have a few shots on us that's true on us uh so happy memorial day um god bless the veterans yes things like that we truly do support the military yes well deserved um yeah and uh where can people find us oh yeah we have social socials things um you can find us on reaper tells at reaper tells podcast on instagram and facebook and email now that you have it on your phone now that i have it on my phone um you can email us at reapergals at reapertales.com email us your social don't email us your show notes we do that ourselves yeah email us suggestions are appreciated though for shows uh if you have a correction you can email us there or you can message us on social media um Thank you to the kind person that sent us a message actually today um, about the Citronella uh, murders. So oh, yeah, uh, very yeah. always. It's it's not that it was not known for the candle, by the way. It was not. No, <laughs> we, we didn't think we, were we didn't really think that it was. Um, Montana just 
made a comment as she does. That's yeah, I'm talking out of my head. Just, the things that come it, it right goes, it, it occurs in her brain and there's no filter. Like there is, is it isn't that it bypasses the filter. There is no filter between her brain and her mouth. No, it just not. comes right out. Mm-mm. I wish I, could <laughs> I try my that. best, dear listeners, but there's only so much I can do. <laughs> you do a great job. My therapist gives you kudos. She actually gave me kudos this Monday. She was like, Samantha is doing the Lord's work. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ain't that the truth? Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, please like, rate, review, subscribe, all of the things. Leave us a worded review if you are so kind to do so. Um, We really appreciate all of your support. It really means the world to us. We we do. Um, And until next time, we love you. Mean it. Bye. Yeah. The reaper will come for us all.